think Amazing Grace is a perfect one to have sung as we're finishing out a month of listening to prophets and some hard, hard uh, passages from Jesus. Um, so a good one to enter into this time. Um, when I was a kid in uh, children's ministry at Hawkins United Methodist Church in Vicksburg, we learned a song that taught us um, the books of the Old Testament. And I was hoping Sarah Watts would be here so I could see if she remembers this song. Um, I still have it memorized. Um, I'm not going to sing the whole thing, but you've got to hear the beginning. Genesis, Exodus, and there's like a clap. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, all those things lead to Ezra and Nehemiah, Esther and Job. I want to go to heaven in a righteous robe, singing Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Solomon's Song, and the Prophets are these, and I will stop there. <laughs> Whew, you're welcome. The last line of that is this. The last Old Testament books reveal that Malachi starts up a brand new deal. And this, my friends, is why I chose Malachi as the way to conclude a month of reflection on the wisdom of the prophets. Very spiritual, I know. Well, that and the fact that it is used during the Advent season as one of the readings that helps us think through the now and the not yet of the work of Christ, um, the advent of Emmanuel, God with us. Um, and you can see that when the bulletin was printed and it just says from Malachi, that I still hadn't figured out exactly what from Malachi I was going to read, um, but I've got it today. Um, so we're going to be jumping around a bit, looking um, Chapter 2, a little bit chapter 3, and a little bit chapter 4, just little segments of each one. But as we prepare to hear God's word this day, let us pray. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, May your word be shown. Amen. So starting at Malachi 2.17, going through um, the beginning of chapter 3, and then jumping to a couple verses in chapter 4. You have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet you say, how have we wearied him? By saying, all who do evil are good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old, as in the former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be swift to bear witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired workers and their wages, the widow and the orphan. Against those who thrust aside the alien and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, have not perished. 
Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Jumping to four. See, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be stubble. The day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave neither root nor branch. But for you, who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let me just share a little bit um, about this prophetic book, uh, the book of Malachi. It's the last book in the Old Testament. Malachi, or Malachi simply means my messenger. And the book begins, an oracle, the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. One commentary said that Malachi is a little scroll that deals with a large crisis. The people to which Malachi speaks are living in the context of destruction and despair, living in a world marred by the effects of violence and injustice enforced by one empire after another. In 587 BCE, the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem, sent the Hebrew people to exile. In 538, the Persians defeated the Babylonians. And Malachi is set in the period after, after this defeat when Cyrus, the Persian Empire, allowed the return of the Hebrew people, the Hebrew exiles, to Jerusalem. But they return to a devastated homeland. They come home with these hopes and dreams of a rebuilt temple, a time soon when God would ultimately triumph in glory. But rebuilding was slow. The economy was bad. There was high taxation, fiscal corruption, savage inequalities, and the people became disappointed, careless, callous, resentful. Disillusionment was widespread. Their lived realities came into conflict with the ways in which those returning had imagined their restored community. Now, one at this point could easily ask, why such harsh words from Malachi? Why rain down furious series of denunciations on a culture of people already in despair? Why? Well, for Malachi, their disillusionment, their despair affected who and how they were and not for the better. Malachi's divided into this series of hard questions about the life of faith and the priorities of rebuilding the community early in this Persian empire. It's set up almost like a trial. There's this confrontation between God and the people of God. In the name of God, the prophet announces a charge, which is then challenged by the accused, Finally, the prophet gives God's decisive rebuttal to the people's excuses. We get to the heart of it in 2.17, where we began our reading when one asks, where is the God of justice? We could hear it this way. 
oh God of justice, it is time for you to act because what we need around here is some pious reform and justice to get things back the way they were. And then we get Malachi 3, 1 through 4, where the message is, be careful what you ask for. The prophet warns that demands for justice may not end well for many folks who think that it's always other people's fault, that life is not back on track. Malachi announces that God does indeed intend to act. My messenger is coming, the prophet says. And his words remind us that asking for judgment can be treacherous. And we're invited to remember that judgment is not in our control. Now, as we heard, Malachi does give some particulars about this judgment. One area of judgment appears to be um, the temple and divine judgment of the social abuses that exist, such as injustices around the oppression of the hired workers and their wages, the widow, the orphan, denouncements against those who thrust aside the alien. You want the temple rebuilt? You want pure worship? Well, God seems to say this involves social justice. And what's interesting about Malachi, held up against all the other prophets is that he gives a little bit different of a vision of the Lord's coming. His vision of the day of the Lord's coming does not initiate this ruinous devastation or vindicating triumph, but rather an interim period, a time of refining, changing the hearts and minds of the people of God back to faithfulness and just dealing. Malachi speaks to a people yearning for a world that looks different from the one in which they currently find themselves. They're discontent with economic hardship, ongoing political strife. They're unable to see how it could be different and unable to see how maybe they may just also be part of the problem. So Malachi announces a time of purification where they could see themselves not as they had to become, but as they were created and called to be. Space, space given to throw off the disappointment, the carelessness, the callousness, the resentment, space to deal with their own disillusionment. One commentator says that Malachi offers them vision over visibility. <laughs> a way to see what cannot yet be seen. And what Malachi envisions is a world where there will be healing and salvation, and they are called to be part of that work. This is how one theologian put it. The blessing hidden in the intensity of condemnation lies in the seriousness with which God's judgment takes God's people. God's call establishes a people who may and must live justly, who lift and protect the lowly, who speak a larger wisdom through their laws than self-interest, and above all, who approach the living God with confidence and joy. God's judgment insists on all of this and refuses to let go the vision that the people have lost. 
the early story of Zechariah, um, which Drew in the children's moment gave us the pieces of that. But that early story of Zechariah, who lifts the canticle in Luke 1 that we read earlier, it is also one of disillusionment and doubt. The story of one who was unable to see how it could be different. Zechariah becomes the father of John the Baptist, but when he is visited by the angel Gabriel and told these words, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son. Many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. You will name him John. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. He hears these words, and then he says, how? How? When John is finally born, Zechariah sings. At first, he could not believe. He could not believe that God was coming at long last to save the people, fulfilling the divine promise and through his family. There were just too many reasons not to believe. So many centuries had passed since the promise had been made. Zechariah and Elizabeth were far too old to have children. The oppressive and unrelenting grip of the Roman Empire made exile in Babylon seem mild. And the people had begun to lose zeal. They were disillusioned, disinterested. So when the angel Gabriel came to Zechariah to tell him that God was about to act powerfully, Zechariah doubted. It's pretty safe to say that we all get this naming of doubt, of disillusionment, of losing the ability to see the vision because of all that is visible right in front of us. From current U.S. politics to a tough economy to an unsure future to images of war, the effects of war, the loss of innocent life between Russia and Ukraine, Israel and the Gaza Strip, to news of a mass shooting in Maine and images of a gunman that are truly terrifying. We get it. We could easily be like those voices in Malachi shouting, where, where is the God of justice? Or like Zechariah doubting and saying, how? How? When we hear God saying, it will be different. But what we hear today The wisdom of scripture from a prophetic book that closes out the pages of one book for us within the story of God and God's people, and the beginning words of another book that begins a new thing in the story of Christ is this. Maybe we need space to deal with our own disillusionment, an interim period of refining, as Malachi puts it. We yearn for a world that looks different from the one in which we currently find ourselves. So our question becomes, are we unable to see how it could be different? And are we unable to see how maybe we are part of the problem? 
The wisdom of Malachi invites us to see ourselves not as we have become, but as we were created and called to be. So let us take all the space we need to throw off disappointment, carelessness, callousness, resentment, space to deal with our own disillusionment. Let us remember that what Malachi offers is vision over visibility, a way to see what cannot yet be seen. Let us lean into the joyous words of Zechariah. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. We've spent a month looking at the words of some of the prophets, holding that alongside some pretty hard stories of Jesus. And personally, I'm carrying a couple of things with me, or striving to do so, as I think about Parkway Hills, our mission, our ministry, um, continued reflection on uh, justice as healing, and what this means for our little corner of the world, and the call to see those who go unseen. I hope... I hope there is something from this month that you are carrying with you in your own walk of faith, but also for how we are church for one another and for our community. But I can think of no better way uh, to kind of sum up this month together than the words of our pastor of children and outreach ministries from last Sunday. She said, we haven't always gotten it right. We need a redirection, a recentering, a fresh breeze to guide us on a new path. There's always a need for a season of redirection. There's some self-reflection needed for us as we face who we have been, who we are called to be, and how we can continue to live out the love of Christ in the midst of it all. We carry on, friends. Most importantly, um, remembering that we are ridiculously loved by a God who is love, and we never journey alone. Let us pray. <laughs>